0: Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. So you did it, you made it to Easter. I always like to like recognize when like we have like milestones, like we're still like we're still a church, we're still a community, and we've made it. And like I thought In getting ready for this message, I'm like, what, like, highbrow intellect can I share with all of you? Um, And and I thought, maybe we should start, like, why do do we do Easter, right? Why do we celebrate Easter? Um, We don't? Okay, (laughs) okay, that's, you know, we celebrate individual thought and expression, so thank you, man. Honestly, like, this is my favorite part of, uh, um, because Kai and I were just talking about the kind of church that we are, how much she appreciates it. And it's one of my favorite things that we have kids in church that kids can do what kids do right being your fullest self is something that we radically celebrate and i love it like like when you're when your kids like mock me from from over there i love it big fan um why oh why why do we do easter all right um it's because the obvious answer is like hey jesus like was dead and then like he wasn't right And that's, like, awesome that we celebrate Jesus, that he could do, like, a really cool party trick, right? Hey, hold my beer, watch this, right? Like, it has to be something more than that, right? Or is it that, um, you know, some people would say, well, you know, Jesus um, died and rose again so that when we die, we have eternal life. And that's, like, good news, right? But imagine, imagine if you went up to um, someone who, like, uh, lived in a tent, like, throughout the winter, like, and it's not like they chose it. Like, you know, it would be a lot of fun. You it would be really good to live under this bridge in a tent. Let's see, you walk up to them, and you, you, you get them to come outside, and you're like, hey, Bill, I got great news for you. Jesus lived a perfect life, born of a virgin, from Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, and at the hands of Pilate, died on the cross for your sins. But don't worry, Bill. Three days later, he resurrected, right? So that when you die, you get to go to heaven. Isn't that great news, Bill, right? Bill would probably look at you and say, I'm hungry, right? <laughs> Honestly, I'm cold. Like, if, if that is all Easter is, to, uh, that we celebrate saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you did something so I can go somewhere at some point in some place, right? What about, like, this body? What about this life? What about this breath? What about this moment? If Easter doesn't have any relevance to today, then what are we doing, right? We're just playing like this nice little Christian game. N.T. Wright um, and a whole host of other scholars believe that the good news, the gospel, is something that has to be relevant to today or it's not relevant at all. And we're going to be reading through uh, John chapter 20. And it's a, it's a banger. It's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite parts in, in the Bible is John 20 because it's, it's so full of so many different things. So um, the way you think about God... Matters, right? That's called theology. How we shape what we think about God comes from one of the sources is from this thing we call the Bible. And I love talking about the Bible because the Bible is beautiful, inspiring, complicated, nuanced, conflicting, violent at times, right? And beautiful, which is really good news because so am I, right? I'm complicated, I hope I'm not violent, right? And I am nuanced, and I am conflicting. The, the fact that the Bible is human is what I love about it, because God is a big fan of humans, a <laughs> huge fan of humans. But when you're reading through the book of John, one thing that I like to share is, like, um, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, John, who's writing it, is, is infatuated with um, light, he talks about darkness, he talks about light, he talks about times of days, what days are happening, and all of it is this like um, metaphor, all of it is, is trying to uh, inform the reader that something bigger is in the air. Like in John chapter 3, um, uh, there's this, um, this incredibly brilliant rabbi that hears about what Jesus is doing, and John says, and in the middle of the night, he went and approached Jesus. He's trying to tell you something, that this, this rabbi is trying to move at night for a whole host of reasons, but changes the story. In John chapter twenty, it starts off with John saying, "On a new week, on a new day, in the early in the morning." And what he's saying is, there's the first day of this new week, early in the morning. There's this new sun that is happening. He's informing whatever's going to happen. There's this illumination that's about to happen. There is newness happening all around, and he tells a story about Mary is going to the tomb because she's going to do these uh, rituals in the burial for her friend Jesus, and she has to show up because the men don't show up in the New Testament often, especially in the Gospels. It is women who funded the ministry of Jesus. It is women who did the work. It is women who preached all the very first sermons, evangelists, and the resurrection, all women. But most of us don't know that because the writers of the Bible tried silencing women, imagine like today, all the time. You can't hide women from the Bible which we should not be hiding women in ministry or anywhere ever. So, thank you, Tom. So, um, while wow, I was preaching, I lost what I was talking about. Oh, Mary. <laughs> right? Mary shows up because the men are hiding, right? And she sees the tombs open. She looks in. There's no body. And there's lots of different ways of thinking about this, but I imagine that Mary, like, looked in there and was like, I don't have time for this today, right? Like, I am done. So where does she go? She goes to the men, she finds Peter, she finds John, and they run, and they come in, they look, and they're like, yeah, you're right, he's not here. And what do they do? They go back to hiding, <laughs> right? And I could see Mary just be like, what are we doing, guys, right? And so she is, she's done, and she pops in again, and now there's an angel talking to her. And she, had, she has no time for it. And the angel goes, the angel kind of mansplains to her. The angel goes, Woman, why are you crying? She's like, I don't have time for this, my man, right? Just tell me where the body is. All right? She doesn't even, she doesn't even stop to recognize, oh, there's this angel talking to me. She's like, Mm-mm, I need the body. So she turns around, and there's just some dude in a garden, right? And so she walks up to him, thinking, You were here standing in this garden. You should know where the body is if you're paying any attention. She walks up, and the gardener looks at Mary and goes, again, woman, why are you, cry- why are you crying? And I can imagine her response is, just tell me where the body is. I don't have time for small talk. How was your day? Was it a good day or a bad day? No one cares. Where's the body? Right? And in this garden, this gardener looks at Mary and says one word. Just one word. And it changes everything. On a new week of a new day of a new sun, standing in a garden, where new things are being birthed, where new things are being grown, the gardener says one word, and that word is Mary. And all of a sudden, she can see. All of a sudden, the things that were hidden are now revealed. There's this whole new way of seeing, and the gardener just did one thing. Saw her. Affirmed her. And she responds, Christ. And she calls out Rabbi. It was Jesus who is the gardener. And in this illumination, the new week of a new day in this new sun with newness happening all around them, Jesus, all he does is validate her. All Jesus does is see her and reminds her who she's always been. That's it. And isn't this what we all crave for? And we kind of like joke like, yeah, in junior high, we're trying to find ourselves, trying to fit in, and we kind of excuse that we still do it in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, right? Right? All we want is someone to see us for who we really are. All we want is to be loved. All we want is to be touched. All we want is to be believed. All we want is to be included. Like, that's the good news. This is the gospel. That Jesus came and and showed us, demonstrated through his life what love does. And in resurrection, Jesus standing in this garden, and he's saying, this body, this world, your art, Like, your creativity, your leadership, your ethics, your parenting, the way you take care of your dog, your work, all of it belongs and all of it matters. And why? Because Jesus is showing us that love wins. Love always wins. What got Jesus killed? If you want to do a a deeper dive on this, I gave a message two weeks ago about symbolism in the cross. Um, And I've heard from hundreds of people how great it was, so um, you can believe them. but what got Jesus killed uh, was that people believed this message that, like, their body matters. People really believed that their story matters. The empire had a, already had a story of who's in, who's out, who's beautiful, who's excluded, who's believed, who's not believed, who's sacred, who's not. And Jesus said, I'm happy for you. I'm just telling you a different story. And people believed that story. And because of that, that's what got Jesus killed. And Jesus' in the resurrection saying, love always wins. The new way of being human, the newness that's around us is simply by being able to see people and like love people because that's what love does, love gives. So, but like what does that actually like play out in our life then, right? You get to the end of John 20 and we're going to introduce a character. Like did you, growing up or maybe in college or maybe junior high, you had a friend that had like a, a weird nickname, right? And it's like you were, like, you were, like, maybe, like, in seventh grade, and your friend took off his shoe, and he had, like, some hair on his toes. And you're like, hey, Bill's got hairy toes, hairy toes Bill. And for the rest of his life, people call them hairy toes Bill, and you think it's normal. So, like, you're, like, 40, and you're deucing your friend. Hey, this is my friend, hairy toes Bill. And they're like, what is going on, right? But we're going to read a character who asked one question. <laughs> he asked one question, and no one calls him Thomas. Everyone calls him what? Doubting Thomas, right? Because he does one thing, and for 2,000 years, we call him Doubting Thomas, right? And if you have a Bible, if you want to follow along or you want to follow on your phone, we're going to be opening up to John 20, verse 24. Or you can believe that what I'm saying is accurate. That's also an option, too. So, John 20. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, I made that up, one of the 12 was was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, I love this. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And they said, settle down, Thomas. This is a Burger King. All right. So a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, through the door, through the, even though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out, reach your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus responded, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So there is the the theological uh, ramifications of just these like what four or five verses is wild. And So I'm going to give you um, we're not going to talk about it, but if you want to do a deep dive on the divine feminine of Christ and this story, Nita knows what I'm talking about. It is—it blew my mind. So, if you want to talk about that later, or if you're watching online, you can uh, email me. But it's—it's so—it's so good. But for sake of time, um, we're not going to talk about that. I'm trying to get back on track. So, oh yeah. So here, we, uh, John goes out of his way to prove that Jesus is this resurrected body, right? I believe in um, the historical person of Jesus. I believe in the historical death and resurrection. I believe that Jesus, like, ascended into the heavens, right? And uh, John says he's resurrected, and he has his body because he can go through walls, right? The door's locked. He gets in there. Um, And we'd say that Jesus' resurrected body is holy. Most people, I just thought that could have been a pun, (laughs) Do you think I'm the first pastor to ever think of that? I'm writing a book. I'm going to speak a, I'm a speaking gig. Oh, man. That was good. Um, I just thought of that. <laughs> okay, when am I talking resurrection? Oh, that it's holy, all right? That it's... Um, we, people may even say that Jesus' body was was perfect, right? And that's his heavenly body. That's how he ascended. And when, when I talk to people about heaven, we could have this conversation... Uh, about, like, what heaven's going to be like. And I listened to um, the worst um, funeral homily or message that I ever heard was by this person, by this guy. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> thank you for laughing. So, um, uh, by this guy, and it's at this, like, landmark funeral. It's someone in this town that was, like, a legend and he talked for 10 minutes all about what our bodies are going to be like in heaven and spent a good five minutes on it about how we're, all going to be, how we're all going to be able to dunk a basketball in heaven. And I sat there, and Nikki had to, like, stop me because I, I was just like, what are we doing, right? This is so much more about love and divine love in this person. It, because, and this is a common thought of, like, when we get to heaven, I'm going to have the perfect body, right? And what's perfect? We're going to have perfect teeth. We're going to have perfect hair. Your perfect ears. We're never going to need Q-tips, right? We're going we're to have like really perfect sneezes that everyone laughs with you, right? We're going to have like perfect legs and we're going to have a perfect body which is going to be like, you know, when we're like 18 to 22, it's going gonna, gonna to be just all, it's going to be all perfect, right? And people, and people think that, right? But who decide what's perfect? Perfection can easily be seen as a lack of things. A lack of coffee stains, a lack of rolls, a lack of hair, (laughs) right? A a, a lack of pain in your joints, a lack of scars from when you had that C-section, right? A a lack of burns from starting that campfire, right? Why do do we believe that's holy? Why do we believe that's perfect? Like, who told us that's what heavenly is? Because if you look at the body of Jesus, Jesus is wounded, Jesus has scars. Jesus has an open wound, and we'd say that's holy, right? We'd say that's sacred. We, I'd even say it's perfect. Why? Because it's the fullness of something. Jesus does not see his wounds. He does not see his scars. He does not see his story as a threat, right? In a way, what he's, what he's doing with Thomas is the same thing he's doing with Mary. He's affirming exactly who you are. Jesus does not respond to Thomas's doubts as a threat. It's not like he says, hey, Thomas, you know who I am? I'm a big, tough guy, Jesus. I just rose from the dead, my man, (laughs) right? He doesn't, what does he do? He takes it, he takes the invitation to undress. Jesus gets like offensively vulnerable and available. Why? Because he wants to affirm Thomas exactly who he is in that space and that time. Because the fullness of who Jesus is, and the fullness of who Thomas is, and the fullness of who Mary is, is never a threat. It's actually, it belongs. And This is, for me, the gospel. This is, for me, the resurrection. For me, this is why I celebrate Easter, is that Jesus is reminding me that I belong. Jesus is saying that I am a miracle. Jesus is saying I am fearfully and wonderfully made exactly who I am. And I can be the fullest of who I am. And the fullness of who I am can be a hot mess I could be confident of one thing, and I could throw it out the door the other day, right? And I think maybe there's some people here, you need to be reminded that you're a miracle. As a trans person, married, single, divorced, kids, no kids, dogs, cats, right? Joint pain, you put on 40 pounds, you lost 40 pounds, curly hair, no hair, (laughs) right? You're anxious, you are, you are um, depressed. You're in a great space. Carlton athletic director, <laughs> right? Whatever it might be, you belong. And you are an absolute miracle exactly in this breath, in this space. Because what Jesus came to say, what Jesus came to illuminate, that that new week of that new day of that new sun is still shining. And new things are birthed when we move in love. When we give in love, and for whatever reason, this is where I'm emphasizing today, is when you receive that love, maybe even from yourself. So as you are sitting around the table, eating, ironically, the one thing that Jesus probably wouldn't have eaten since he was a rabbi, <laughs> right? We he chose ham, right? We chose ham. And Jesus is like, thank you, that's awesome, <laughs> All right? Um, as, you're, as you're eating that today, and you're, you're around the table, or you're watching Star Wars, or you're with a your friend, or you're by yourself holding something that makes you feel loved, I hope today that you can affirm one another that you are a miracle. So we're going to take communion. Wow, thank you. You knew I was landing the plane, Nita. You, <laughs> Chris has got his, I'm wrapping up my message voice. We're going to take communion together if you choose. We're not going to make you... <laughs> um, And the reason we're doing it is Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So when we take communion, it's not a magic trick. It's not like you you can be this holy thing, but it's a physical act for us to remember what divine love is and who Christ is. And um, I thought today it would be appropriate on Easter for us to do it uh, collectively. The crackers are gluten-free, right, Nikki? they all gluten-free. And the juice is not wine, <laughs> just, just, just so you guys all know. It's important, right? It's very important. And I don't know why I thought about this Um, When I was in my undergrad, my Bible school, I got in trouble because it was my turn to do communion for, I don't know, some class. And I did Doritos and um, Mountain Dew. And my professor was not a fan. Not a fan. But the truth is, you you can remember Christ in so many ways of communion. It doesn't have to be below average gluten-free crackers and juice. All right, everyone who... Does anyone else need our ushers? (laughs) Are we good? Okay. So we're going to start with a cracker. And today, we're going to take this as a physical symbol, as a way to, like, remember ourselves that the way that Jesus used his body was to awaken and remind people that they are a miracle, He did that through providing meals. He did that with laughing with people. He did that by inspiring people and reminding them who they've always been. And we take it into, like we ingest it, because I believe it is Christ's love that sustains me. It's Christ's love that brings me life and energy in the same way that food can. So today, let's receive that divine love. I like that we can all hear each other chew. That's really great. I think those crackers are loud. In the same way, Jesus says to uh, drink of this cup, his blood, right, in remembrance of him. And today, I drink this juice as a reminder of the blood that was spilled because Jesus moved in love. and Jesus dared to believe that divine love always wins. And in resurrection, we get to receive that. So let's drink together. That was perfect timing, Kaya. That was great. All right. So um, we're going to sing. Vicki is going to end with something she said, Believe Me, so I know. Um, thank you for coming to Easter at Neighborhood. It is my honor to be um, a pastor in this space. And so thank you for sharing this sacred space with me. All right. So as we and Terry just have a meditative uh, word for you to leave with or um, a blessing. So may the God of all hope fill you with life and peace and may you always know that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Thank you so much for attending service. You're welcome to hang out as long as you want. If you want to take pictures, have more donuts, we'll be open here, but happy Easter.